Can I just have a word? Can I have a word with you? I feel it like it doesn't work. work. <laughs> Would you let me speak? Okay, do it. <laughs> okay, go. Welcome to the Nail Polish Sisters. Chef's kiss. I have a question for you. What is your question for me? If you could only bring one of these things with you to a deserted island, what would it be? Album, movie, or book? I'm gonna go with album. Follow-up question for you. Okay. What album? <sighs> Can I do one? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I wanted you know I was gonna say top three. Um I think I'm going to have to say that my number one album is going to have to be the Hamilton soundtrack Broadway edition, or should I say deluxe version? Or should I say, I would go as far as to bring the re-recorded album with all of the guests singing the original Hamilton music. Favorite uh, song. Favorite song. Oh, fuck. Um, I think that would actually... I think that question actually would send me to my grave because how can you pick between such magic? But I, if I had to pick a song and it hurts my soul to do so, I would probably have to go with one of George Washington's million dollar moments. And I'd probably have to say, and I know this is, this whole segment is just so theater kid and so pick me. And I'm, I know I'm going to hate no, it. No, no, no. Theater kids are never pick me. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I think they're the most pick me. No, theater kids do things out of love for like the arts and the theater. There's no pick me. That's... They're like the opposite of pick me. Like if you're doing the high school musical, okay, you are not okay. pick me. Maybe you're right then. The girl who makes fun of theater kids is pick is me. Pick me. Ooh, what a theory. Mm. Okay, the song is history has its eyes on you. If anybody wants an episode where I just break down Hamilton music, let me know. Heard. Heard. All right, cool. I'm going to ask that right back to you. I'm going to say, if you could only bring one thing with you to a deserted island, what would it be? Album, book, movie? It's between book and movie. I would get sick of the music, I think. I feel like it's not that deep. I feel like you just pick one. Yeah, but I don't know. And I like to think things through, Jamie. It's not that deep. I'm going with movie. And the movie I'm going with is... Drumroll, please. Let's hit it. Now you see me too. Fucking A. <laughs> you would. Bella is obsessed with magic. I, I honestly... Magic. My guess for your presentation would have been David Blaine for sure. I can't find enough information on David Blaine. I know. He's a hard one. So I would... But I can't. I know you love magic so much. It's I so think it's funny. so cool. She learned a card trick once. And, and I did And she it. showed it to everyone <laughs> for like a week straight. <laughs> and it was like the simplest card trick. But it was actually kind of good. She got really good at it. Yeah, I forgot what it was now. Get you a girl. Get you, get you a magic girl. It's no big deal. Get you a magic girl. Just me that. watching on a deserted <laughs> island. Now you see me too. Just on repeat. Just like a projection in the sky of now me you see Mark me too. Me and Mark Ruffalo. And Woody. Oh, the boys, the absolute boys. And Daniel Radcliffe's in the second one. Dude, Daniel Radcliffe is one so of the only like short kings I pretty love. Great. Like, I deeply fucking love him. Have you seen Now You See Me Too? <gasps> You're missing out. They're coming out with a third one this year, you guys. Are, are they? Really excited? Wait, 
Um, if you also like Now You See Me one or two, please reach out to me. I'll <laughs> <laughs> make a fan club for all of she us. She needs her own, like, what's I that like, QAnon page of Now You See Me <laughs> conspiracy theories on I'll how they do the stuff. I'll start a Reddit thread. <laughs> you would. The second movie is so good. You guys, the end, the magic trick in the end. Well, don't spoil it. I'm not going to say what happens, but it's such a plot twist. You're like, yo, or The Prestige. Oh, my God. The Prestige is ah! so good. That movie I might take with me. I know, I'm not a little... I love magic. <laughs> <laughs> I need another ghost. You need another ghost? Ghost! We're obsessed with ghost energy drinks ghost for any of you us. that have not tried ghost energy drinks. This is literally not an ad because we have literally no sponsors, but I'm not kidding you. Ghost is true. <laughs> Enough. Bella is making weird sounds into the mic, and I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> Okay, so this week we are the guests of our own podcast, mm-hmm. which is fun. And this week we're going to be jumping on that trend where you basically make a presentation about something that you're passionate about. And we don't know quite what the other one has chosen because we know basically everything about each other. So it's going to be interesting to see which each other has chosen. Ha ha ha. With that all being said, (laughs) we're going to move into what y'all have been waiting for. Slash, honestly, we might have been waiting for this more than you guys. We're so excited to see each other's presentations. Yes. Let's fucking hit it. All right, Jamie, turn your bootay around. Can I open my eyes? Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Oh. Today I present to you 10 things I hate about you, and more importantly, its cultural significance. Wow. I love the pink matching thing right there. Right? I did that myself. I thought it was part of the poster. God damn. I'm super artsy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. The story. You know the story. But, oh, I should also let you guys know, as the listeners, I'm currently standing up in front of a TV, and I have a full PowerPoint presentation on the screen. That I get to enjoy. And Jamie gets to watch it. will be on our social media at some point. It will. It will indeed. So, the story. Jamie, I think, knows the story. But for those who don't know the story of 10 Things I Hate About You, it is... Cameron, who's a new student at Padua High, is getting a tour of his new school by the AV geek Michael when he spots Bianca Stratford, a popular sophomore from across the quad. The only issue, her father is set to rule. She and her older sister, Katarina Stratford, also described as the shrew, aren't allowed to date until they are 18. After school, a fight ensues between the two girls at home and their father changes his rule. And he goes, and I quote, Bianca can date. When Kat does. And then Bianca (laughs) freaks out. So when Cameron learns this information, he and his new friend Michael enlist Joey Donner, the popular jerk, by tricking him into thinking he can take Bianca out if he pays someone to take Kat on a date. And he approaches Patrick Verona, played by the wonderful... Patrick Verona. The wonderful Heath Ledger. He's the mysterious bad boy, and he pays him to pursue Kat. As the story unfolds, Kat begins to fall for Patrick, but you are left questioning... What will happen when she discovers this ruse? This ruse. So That's a beautiful summary. It's your typical high school rom-com, and the characters are very basic on the characters of a 90s rom-com, but what's different is, one, the story, two, the truth of the story that is being told. And also, side note, for any of you guys who don't know this, this movie is based off the story a young Shakespeare wrote called Taming of the Shrew. shrew. All right, to begin, the archetypes. 
Before we get into each character and the significance of their roles, it's important that we note, although they are mainstream and typical, the way in which these characters were created shows the actor's in-depth process into understanding the role they play, and they are played with a sense of truth and likability. No one is overacting or being over the top with the ideals these characters may have. This also attests to the strong writing. Everyone's character traits are distinct but subtle enough where it doesn't feel like you're choking on a character's agenda, which I will get more into as we go on. Fair enough, dog. So, the archetypes, which, if you guys don't know, is like an example of a certain kind of person or thing. So, like, the general one is there's the feminist, the popular girl, the nerdy sweet boy, the douchebag, and the bad boy. Mm -hmm. Your typical 90s rom-com. Gotta have one. Everyone has to have one. You know her? So, let us let us begin. Whoa. Bella got hella fancy. Katerina Stratford. The feminist, also the un tameable woman. Kat's character embodies the modern feminist. She lives for herself rather than the ideals of men or impressing them. She's smart yet snarky and a bit rebellious. To the kids at her school, she's viewed as the shrew because she doesn't conform to a typical girl's ideology. She rocks cargo pants and tanks rather than dresses and miniskirts. She speaks her mind regardless of who she may offend. She beats to the rhythm of her own drum. So you. And this is why I love this movie because when I first watched it, I was like, I am Kat and my sister is Bianca. My sister is not as crazy as Bianca character-wise, but the little sister, big sister dynamic, I always felt very close to. And you love a cargo pant. And I love a cargo pant and I love a tank top. And what I was saying earlier about the movie not shoving their character's agendas down your throat, I think Kat is a perfect example of that because she is a hardcore feminist, but it's not like the main plot line of the Mm -hmm. movie or anything. And she doesn't try and like, she doesn't hate all men or try and like make everyone hate men. It's more just like, she doesn't fucks with them. She wants to just do her own thing. And she's also willing to change when she meets her love. Okay. On to the next. Bianca Stratford. She's the unattainable lady. Mm. Beautiful, shallow, and naive. Bianca is your typical girl next door. She's the most popular sophomore in her school and everyone has a crush on her. Viewed as the dream girl, she works her hardest to put on the performance as the it girl who has it all. Unlike her sister, Kat, she goes with the trends and tries her best to fit into the stereotype of the popular girl, not willing to admit her own flaws and lack of perfection. These fonts you chose for the PowerPoint, I know you guys can't see them right now, but they're incredibly specific and I love them. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I feel like this sums up her character, so I don't need to go into too much detail about it, but like that's this archetype. Cameron James, the voyeur. Is that? It is. Is that Jago? It is Jago. Joseph. You didn't know he was Joseph in this? Joseph Gordon Lovett. <laughs> okay. The voyeur. Cameron is the rational character. His intentions are clear and not based on popularity, but rather his own feelings. He's the narrator of the story, creating a connection between him and the audience. He feels with his heart and acts respectfully towards everyone he comes across. So, so he, would that also be like in, sorry, this is a question mm-hmm. for, does that just mean he's people's POV essentially? Yeah, kind of. Like he has like he's the, the mass POV? Yeah. Got it. Pretty much. So yeah. Joey, eat me Donner, to quote someone in the movie. Um, He's the douchebag. Joey's the playboy, self-proclaimed model and most popular guy in school. He's a narcissistic, stuck-up idiot who preys on the girls in his school and their insecurities. He constantly pushes Kat's buttons, for example, trying to take out her younger sister, Bianca. He doesn't think about anyone but himself. And as the story unfolds, everyone begins to hate him, showing that being an asshole never benefits you. Jeez Louise. I do not like him. He's horrible. He wants to be like this bad boy, but he's just a dick. Okay. Whoa. Moving on. 
I don't like Say him. what you really feel. I don't like it. Okay. And finally, the one, the only, Patrick Verona. <laughs> Love him. Patrick is the typical bad boy. He spends his time in bars, smoking cigarettes, and constantly getting into trouble. All the things Bella loves. He has a mysterious past and says very little as the movie progresses. You begin to see his soft heart and vulnerability as he falls for Kat. When you meet Patrick Verona, he comes across as scary. (laughs) Rumor has it he ate a live duck once. But once he begins his pursuit of Kat, we watch him change. As he gets Kat to open up and let her guard down, we also get to watch him become more vulnerable and caring, which we will see later on. We love a vulnerable man, but... We love it. And he's so tough and he looks, he feels so strong, but he's a, he's a sweetheart. He's a good bad boy. The one who looks tough, but is a teddy bear on the inside. For me, watching this movie set my (laughs) expectations far too high in high school because I wanted someone as cool as him to come and... Sweep me off my feet. But unfortunately, that did not happen. No one in high school is like Patrick Verona. But he never tried to change Kat. And Kat never tried to change him. And I think that's very important because they found the commonality between themselves, but they were still able to be themselves. Mm, I really like that underlying message. And so I think it's a beautiful story because it's not like a Disney princess story where it's like the guy comes and changes your life and saves you for the better. It's just like they kind of came together and made each other better people and fell in love. Very nice. So, yeah. I like that. Next slide. Yeah. Did you see that page fold? I know. No big deal. It's <laughs> fine. I'm just creative as fuck. Okay. Here's some of the lessons that I think were important from the story. You don't have to be a follower taught to you by Kat. It's okay to be the real you. Talked to you by both Kat, Cameron, and Patrick Verona. Happiness comes from being yourself, comes from all the characters, because Bianca becomes the most happiest when she stops trying to act like the cool popular girl and just follows her heart. Kindness is the most powerful tool, which is an example from Cameron because he's nice to everyone. He gets Mm -hmm. the popular girl in the end and he makes two people fall in love. Appreciate your siblings. Yes. Good one. Stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Kat always does that. Create your own path, which is I think all of these characters do that themselves. And always be confident in yourself no matter what you're being told, which is Kat's main thing where everyone's like, oh, you shrew. Oh, you suck. You don't like men. You dress in cargo pants. And she's like, suck it. And then she just keeps being her. I think that's very important. And finally, of course, there is a difference between like and love. Mm. There's a difference between like and love. See, I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpack. Wow. To quote Bianca Stratford. She's so Stunning. deep. And to wrap it up, Heath Ledger is a worldwide treasure who was taken from us too soon. What we're watching is Heath Ledger sing to her after she tried to kiss him in the car. Oh. And he doesn't kiss her because she's too drunk and he's respectful. So now he's doing something to embarrass himself to make it even. So she'll go out with him. Get you a man's. Oh my God. This movie is so good. I know. It's one of the best movies ever made. Get you a man's that also dresses like that. I know. Jeez. I love you, baby. And if it's quite all right, I need you, baby. Yeah, look, she gave him. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing the can-can in the air. Yeah. Beautiful. That is why I think 10 Things I Hate About You is maybe one of the most important movies ever made. Because it teaches a lot of kids in high school good lessons. Yeah. Any questions? 
That was a glorious presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very impressed. Not that you need Thank my approval, you. but that was gorgeous. And All right. I really liked how you made it so, not to, for lack of a better word, deep in a way. You know, you Thank took you. you took a movie that is a romantic comedy and can be just watched for pure enjoyment. And you, oh, and it's your screensaver on Always. your computer. But you took some really nice lessons from it. And I think they have been showing up in your life. You know, you, you take your lessons and you put them to practice. Hells yeah. Please rate, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So for everyone listening at home, we would like to inform you that we have switched places. I, Jamie, will now be giving my presentation to a very surprised Bella. Do not open your eyes yet. I'm not. I need to airplay it. My eyes are very much closed. I'm so excited. Okay, this should work. Three, two, one. Unload your eyes. Our pats? Our pats, baby. Okay. All right. So we start out with our pats. Just a glorious photo of him being glorious. What was this for again? It was for a GQ interview. Just being sexy. Yeah. There's nothing about this photo that you could say you don't like. Okay. Hit me with it. You can't. No. So that's just my first point. Anna's vampire teeth. He's a vampire. What do you mean? Okay. Robinator. My presentation is (laughs) Robinator and why he is number one in Hollywood. His name, his real name is Robert Douglas Thomas Pattinson. He has four names. Let's just start with how hot that is. Once again, you can't argue anything about how hot four names is. Like, it's not just Robert Douglas Pattinson. It's Robert. Robert Douglas Thomas Pattinson. And I wrote a haiku about Robert Pattinson, and it goes as follows. He is the moment. He is the past, present, future. A true act of God. I'll just leave that there. So we'll start with the obvious. (laughs) He can do absolutely no wrong. He is number one, sexy as fuck. Number two, he is a complete and utter ball of chaos. Number three, he doesn't have an Instagram. Get you one of those. Number four, he acts like a human being, which I think is very important to point out because not a lot of people act like a human (laughs) in general, but also like when you're at that level of fame, I feel like it's pretty ballsy to actually be super authentic to who you are, given that like the world is watching you. So I really appreciate that about him. And he is also an absolute troll, which I love. Not a troll in the way he looks, but he just likes to troll troll people back because I think he feels that he's being trolled. So he just trolls back. Um, He belongs to the streets, (laughs) which is very important. He is for the streets. He is the moment. He is the moment. I actually thought that haiku was really beautiful. Okay, moving on to our next slide. I would also like to argue that he is a comedic genius. I would go as far as to say the comedic genius of our generation for a couple reasons, and I will list them now. (laughs) He, first of all, during quarantine, attempted to make a company called Piccolini I can't even say this, Cusino, which translates to little pillow. And his idea was that people should be able to have handheld pasta, like the way you would have a fast food burger or like a handheld pizza. He wanted to make pasta that was also handheld. And he attempted to recreate that dish in a GQ interview. And he lit his glove on fire <laughs> when he pulled it out of the microwave. And then he turned around to put it in the oven and a light bulb burst. So he kind of gave up on that. It didn't go further than there. Another time that he is a literal comedic (laughs) genius is when he was doing Water for Elephants. 
that really sad movie about the circuses. He told Matt Lauer when they were doing press that he went to the circus as a young boy and a clown died. And Matt Lauer continued to press him being like, what do you mean? Like, because he said it very confidently. And Robert Pattinson said the clown's car blew up and he died. And he basically just left that there and left it as fact. And then years later was like, I just made that up. Like on an interview, he was like, I was just fucking with you. Like, that's not real, which is a crazy thing to just leave in the world and for people to believe. And then he could have left it. But I think it's funny that he unleashed the truth at one point because he's hot. This is another thing that he did that was super funny. But he basically had this stalker that would like wait outside his apartment and house all the time. And one day he got so bored that he actually decided to take her out on a date and then told her how shitty his life was. And then she never returned. So he got rid of his stalker by actually taking her out, which I thought was genius. And I love that he shared that story. Um, This is another fun but (laughs) hilarious fact about our paths is that during the Batman filming, they like made a little tent for him because they were like outside a lot. And he couldn't see who would wear his mask in the tent, obviously, because it was probably between shots. And he would just sit and make house music in his tent (laughs) because he said he couldn't see through his mask like well enough to read a book. (laughs) So he started making house music, which is so hilarious. And this is another thing that I find genius. I don't even know if this was meant to be funny, but like when he went into auditions, especially before Twilight, he would come in as an American because his agents were worried about like, you know, we don't know if the British thing is going to throw people off. So he'd come in every time and be like, hey, I'm Robert. I'm from Michigan or something. And then Twilight happened. He got really famous from Twilight and then continued after. (laughs) I think it was for it said like a Transformers audition. He went in and said he was from Denver. And the people like in the room called his agents and were like, was that supposed to be like an improv, like a super boring improv? (laughs) Because I don't he's famous. Like, why is he saying he's from Denver? We all know he's fucking British. Genius. He's a fucking genius. All right, moving on. Just, I just, this is just a photo of him, which I, we will be posting to social media, but he is in his costume from The King, which to my next slide we go. His Oscar winning <laughs> performance. I think he was dubbed an Oscar so hard. He really deserved an Oscar for his role as the Dauphin in The King. And in case you guys have not seen The King, I can sum it up pretty quickly. Robbie Bobby joined the cast of The King, a very serious movie that follows the story of a young Henry V fighting his way to royalty. Henry V. What do you mean? Henry V. Yeah, Henry V. Henry V, though. I feel like that's like a pretentious, like weird theater thing, like Henry V. Like you don't say Henry V if you're like in Henry V. You're not like, I'm in Henry V. You're like Henry V. Okay, cool. It just made me Our laugh. producer who also loves Shakespeare agrees with me. But anyways, it's very serious. It's like... He had a very interesting role in this movie, and he was playing a royal prince of France, like his dad was King Charles of France, and he basically stole the entire movie. Like, it was a very serious, long-winded, kind of dramatic movie with tons of fighting and action, and then Robbie Bobby comes in and just, like, shuts it fucking down, like... He has the craziest accent I've ever heard in my life, but he's so committed to the role that it it looks like he's doing a stand-up routine, but like very seriously so. Like he's not trying to make himself laugh, which in turn I feel like makes everybody laugh. And I feel, I just, I feel like you don't see that a lot because you get a lot of people like trying to be really funny and it actually is not funny, but you feel like you have to laugh. But this is real fucking comedy. This is like 
deep. This is like almost like Will Ferrell comedy to me where I'm like, he's just so fucking good at his job. And I rewatch the movie once a month to remind <laughs> myself that comedy is still alive. And his inspiration was like he was at he was going to play it a completely different way. And then he was in France at the like Dior store or something. And he was talking to someone. He started like mimicking them. And so then he just brought that in to shooting, which is fucking it's a legend. He done gone did it. <laughs> he go, yeah, I wrote he done gone did it. <laughs> OK, <laughs> moving on. Our Pats, our man, Rob, is a real ass mofo. He's a real ass motherfucker, in my opinion, because as funny and as amazing as he is, I feel like he has a more serious side to him that he's also willing to share. And he gets real about many things, but he's super honest when it comes to kind of not knowing, just like all of us other humans on the planet, what's kind of next for him or, you know, what his plans are moving forward. He's very kind of like he admits to being a catastrophizer and always kind of thinking about the worst case scenario for everything he does, which is very relatable. Like, I feel like the things he says are always pretty relatable, which I really like, because I feel like it resonates with a really large group of people, which is why he has such a large following, even after Twilight. He makes fun of himself a lot, which I also appreciate. He admits that he still gets nervous when he goes on to set. And you just don't have people being transparent with you like that anymore, being like, yeah, I still am so fucking nervous. I feel like a fraud every single time I walk onto a set like that. Never that feeling I feel like never goes away. My dad says it all the time. It's like you get on set and you're like, have I ever acted before? I don't know what to do. And then the can you know, and then I just feel like he does something out of the ordinary, which is he's very focused on bringing novelty to movies and making sure that even if he's playing a character that has already been done, i.e. like even in Batman or any of the movies he's been in, he tries to make a new choice but very justified new choices. It's not like for shock effect with no substance underneath. It's very substantial and like thought out, which I very much appreciate. And I feel like he does it for the enjoyment of people, but also because he loves the craft. So I love a man who loves the craft. Next photo is just Edward Cullen. It's just Robbie Bobby being a fucking hot, sexy vampire. I don't even know if I'd call him sexy in this movie. I think he's just kind of, looks stupid, but I think that he knows he looks stupid, which is why I feel okay to say that, but I love you. Just little quirks about Bay in his formative <laughs> years. These are, this is my favorite part of the research about our Pat is that he got kicked out of his prep school for buying sexy, <laughs> AKA porn magazines from like the newspaper stands and selling them to kids at school. And he got kicked out. He wanted to impress his first girlfriend who was a couple years ahead of him in school. So he pretended to be a drug dealer, which I think is piping hot. And he would basically like bring the drugs to parties and stuff. It wasn't real drugs, obviously. He was like in middle school <laughs> and everyone would be like, oh man, he's so crazy. Like he's crazy little dude selling drugs. Like, yeah, which is piping hot. And then he never corrected anyone. That's my favorite part about him is that he just leaves it uncorrected. He also like had rap songs from overseas and he made versions of them with his friends when he was in high school and like basically put their voices on the track to using verbatim the same exact lyrics and then tried to get them played on the local radio which is literally piping hot and pirating music it's very hot he's also obsessed with chairs um <laughs> what? he used to make them like apparently he used to have a studio in london oh that's fire but now he makes clay molds of them, like little mini clay molds. Like little chairs? Like little tiny chairs. And then he shows them to people so that they're made for him. He's so cool. I love him. He is dot, 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 the bat. And I would like to say to that, say less. Because 
he's just hot. Like anything he does is hot. This is one of my favorite quotes said about him, which basically confirms everything that I think about Rob Pattinson. And for one of my idols, Christopher Nolan, to say this about him, Christopher Nolan, the director, the writer, the producer. I wish he was an actor. But anyways, he says of Rob Pattinson, even as an actor, he was always slightly fucking with you, which I think basically pretty much encapsulates what I feel about our pats. And I love that about him because I feel like not enough people do that. And everybody tries to get so serious about everything. And he kind of takes it a little more on the lighter side while also like doing a good job at his work, which I appreciate. Okay, to sum this up, he is number one in Hollywood for many reasons. But the main one being he's fucking with everyone, as I just said. He is consistent in that on and off the screen. He brings joy to people. He is consistent in that. He does incredible work. He is consistent also in that. But all in all, at the end of the day, He's a human and he makes sure to stay consistent in his authenticity, just the same as <laughs> he is truly the goat. Number one in Hollywood, number one in my heart. Sincerely, I, Jameson Best Belushi. Finny. Bye, our Pat. I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're back in our seats now. Just thought we should let you know. Jamie is now seating again. So we really hope you guys enjoyed that. I know we had a lot of fun making it. Hopefully this it's received well and we can do this more because it's really fun. Maybe you guys can eventually send in ideas for us to present on. Just, it was really fun. I loved hearing about Robert Pattinson. And I loved hearing about 10 things I hate about you. So something new. Shall we hit it? We shall hit it. Here we go, guys. Into... (laughs) My favorite segment, surprise, motherfucker. As you know, Lauren, our producer, has sent us an article of this week. We are not allowed to talk about it with each other until this very moment. This week, we were sent a, a TED, TED talk. talk on how to spot a liar. This which, was fascinating. By the way, at first, I don't know if you did this on purpose or not, but at first, I was like, I don't get it. Why are we talking about a liar in this why are conversation? But our path is a liar. Ten things I hate about you is based on a lie. So now I'm tying it all together here. Oh, was that on purpose? As the TED Talk. Wow, that was a really nice. As the woman in the TED Talk would say, bridging, bridging of a gap. Of a gap. So essentially, this TED Talk goes into ways to spot a liar through like verbal discrepancies, physical things. There's like certain things people do. But has anyone else ever noticed how? awful the mics are for TED Talks. They pick up every single noise. Like I can hear the lips smacking together and I'm like, I'd rather not. Yeah. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. And it started with that. And I was like, ah, is this what I'm going to have to deal with? It got better with time, but it's always like, (laughs) hi. And it's like, (laughs) ah, why? I hate it. Of course that's what you notice, Bella. Like I, I I mean, I get it now after you say that I'm thinking about it, but every TED Talk, I like jump right in. I'm like, I am so ready to hear how to spot a liar do you ever have that thing where when you look at something that's relatable to you you're all of a sudden your brain goes crazy and you're like I can't wait to apply this yeah like I was thinking I was like I'm going to go back through every single interaction I've ever had with a person and see if I can notice those in my imagination and then going forward I'm going to use this all the time you're nuts yeah probably (laughs) but I was trying to think and I couldn't I feel like my imagination doesn't hold enough of a vivid memory to do that but yeah. like I'm really going to pay attention to that but I still was kind of confused what part are you going to use the most I think 
I really thought it was interesting. I know she said it like it was something everybody knew, but when your feet are pointed towards an exit, she's like, yeah, well, everybody knows this. When your feet are pointed towards an exit, you know, somebody's lying to you. If people are looking down, you know, they're lying to you. She was basically saying like, if somebody looks you in your eyes. For too long. For too long. Oh, that's yeah, what I, I thought was really part. interesting too, because I correlate that with honesty. I'm like, wow, they're really trying, you know, to make me. Here's my question though. Don't you think like, it's just like more like an energetic thing where it's like you can know. tell when someone's lying like for the most part I feel like even without like maybe it's just because whatever the tips she was saying were just are like subconsciously applied I can usually tell if someone's lying to me or not but can you tell through like formality of language for instance like she said that that was a when she no showed I can the tell Clinton from clip. like the way someone it's a physical thing I can see I can tell if someone's lying or not and also like the way people talk yeah, I guess so. But I thought it was the most interesting the Bill part Clinton of the one whole, was interesting. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too. I mean, we all knew he was lying, but like, yeah, she said that using like he didn't say like I didn't sleep with that woman. He said I did not. And using like a formal phrase like did not ins- it insinuates that the word. Yeah. or Yeah. That you're lying. And then also the one that woman is called distancing. So he's trying to get himself away from the truth as far as possible by not like using her name in that sentence. But that's, com- see, my brain goes like, that's confusing to me because what if people just speak that way normally? Like they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I, I tend to use those words a lot. You know, instead of saying didn't, when I'm trying to get a point across, I say did not. You know what I mean? Like, but are you lying? No. Like I did not like that. I wouldn't say I didn't like that very much. I'd be like, I did not like that. Because I, I guess it's more of like but an emphasis different. thing. Yeah. But I also thought it was really interesting that she said, like, everybody lies and you're lying way more than you think on a daily basis. And if not, you are cooperating in a lie based on like an old like your own. This was my interpretation, but like personal need of something from the other person. Like, you know, if someone's lying to you baseline, you know, they're lying to you and you cooperate in it. I was thinking like, yeah, I probably would. Like if I if it's something I wanted to hear, mm-hmm. I would take that as the truth. Yeah. And I'm cooperating in the lie. And then she said something like, because at the baseline, everybody wants to feel a connection with each yeah. other. And that's like a psychology thing too, of like everybody's number one need is to feel community and belongingness. Is that a word? But to feel like you belong. Yeah. So yeah, that need for connection is such an interesting point to throw in with something that we all look like, we all look at as so bad, but you're willing to take a lie when it's, when it's good for you yeah. in the moment, selfishly. Totally. You know? Yeah. You're willing to believe anything. Yeah. If it Cause you want, your like belief. if you want to believe it, you'll believe it. It's like the thing we always say about the media where it's like, if you want to believe whatever the media is writing, they could write two sides and half people will believe one side, half people will believe the other. Cause it supports their own theories. Yeah. It's like kind of like that. It's support. It's basically it's whatever lie, supports yeah. your own narrative. And I find that it's interesting in this current moment that a lot of people want to take the negative side of things. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I'd, That's a different topic for a right, different time. But like I, w- I would think as me, I don't know if you feel the same way too, or listeners, if you feel the same way, but I would like to believe the more positive things. Like those are the lies that I'm thinking I would take. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, totally. That's all I have to say about that. And I thought it was interesting. She said that like, lies bridge the gap between things. That was just a weird way to put it. And I thought that was really interesting. I also found that so interesting when she said men like tend to lie about themselves a lot. Yeah. And women lie, lie to, to protect. protect others. 
you know? Because we're better than men. But also, sorry. Is that saying protecting people is like not the vibe? No, it's saying that we can keep lying as long as we're protecting others. Men need to just <laughs> that stop. That is not what it said. <laughs> Lie done. all you want. As long as you're making people feel good. Yeah. Men can just not. I also thought it was interesting that in a marriage, you lie one in 10 interactions, oh but when you're in a relationship, Crazy. one in three. Whoa. Right? Or was it reversed? No, I think you're right. I think marriage was one in 10. You lie to your, your spouse, like one in 10. But like, what are you lying about? It's crazy. But then I realized that there's so many but definitions like, of a lie. Yeah, like it could be something so small or something so big. Anywho. Anywhoozle. If you guys want to look that up, we will link it somewhere because it was honestly pretty interesting. And it's really like 18 minutes long. It's super short, easy watch. I'm going to try to be, as she says, a truth seeker. We will be seeking the truth. Seeking we'll apply the these truth. things and we'll let you know. All right, Jamie B, what is one of the last things you ordered on Amazon? Guys, exciting news. I have made a purchase on Amazon. And finally, like I... Really am excited about this. And by the way, this wasn't even for me. I ordered my sister-in-law a simple modern water bottle because I accidentally left Simpy mine modern. at Simpy her house modern. and she was drinking out of it. And I was like, bruh, I'll get you your own. Yeah. Don't touch my Simpy. Don't modern. touch my Simpy Simpy. Keep your dirty paws off my silky drawers. Okay. What was your last purchase? Well, you guys, this is an exciting purchase because it benefits all of us. It is the one, the only, I decided it'd be fun for Jamie and I to have index cards as we do this podcast. So what did I order? Giant index cards. They're five by eight. No big deal. I also got us stickers so we can write the nail polish sisters. I got butterflies. I got Disney princess stickers. I got glitter stickers. I got smiley face stickers. Come down. Come down. I got a lamination thingy mabobber self-lamination so, so we can self-laminate it so you peel them off and you stick them together and you rub, 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 and then it'll be glossy and pretty and all the stickers will be protected and then we will use them in the podcast to separate our segments and our thoughts and ideas and then each week we will not be throwing them out because we are eco-friendly we will instead write on them with maybe whiteboard markers shall we say and or i might just print some some things from the google doc Dude, you're killing and, me and tape it on who knows the world is my oyster Oh, I should also include the index card are colored. So there's red, <laughs> purple, yellow, light blue, and light green. Thank you, Bella. <laughs> so those were our Amazon purchases. <laughs> Stay tuned for the index cards. They're actually going to be pretty lit. And so hot takes of the week. Um, what you got? Our Pats. Our Pats. Is fucking, number one in Hollywood. He's fucking mic dropper. You convinced me. He is number one now. My hot take is... Men in New Balance look really hot, but not. <laughs> I have to explain because it's because I saw someone. This yeah, morning. I need some context here. Who in New Balance is? This morning, I was with you all morning. Well, I didn't come. I, I was saving it for the hot take. Oh, um, well, but, I wish you'd pointed him out. Yeah, because I know what you're thinking. It's like, you know, dads with New Balances on. Not that. Was it one of the guys with the dog? Which one? The one with or without the dog? The one without the dog. He was hot. The blonde hot yeah. one. Yeah, he was piping. But he was wearing like these kind of looser pants and New Balances. Yes. And the New Balances with that like really supported the outfit yes. and made him look trendy and hot. Yes. So 
get you a pair of like hot new balance. Yeah, but now it's kind of like give it like five years. Fair enough. This you know, is before the trend hot take. That's what you got to do. Now like new balances are like, you know, like the dad shoe. Like we got to wait for the dad shoe to go and then you bring back the dad shoe. I like a dad shoe. I also like a dad. Daddy. Daddy. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wrapping this shit up, baby. Uh, bye bye. Please rate, like, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nail Polish Sisters is hosted and produced by Jamie Belushi and Bella Giannulli. Produced by Lauren Boone. Edited by Jordan Fair. Original music by Joey Cars. The Nail Nail Polish Polish Sisters is a Gulfstream Studios production. And if you've made it this far, 100 points.